Hi everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Margaret Kozlark from Nobly West. Welcome, Margaret. Hey, Rama. Great to be here. Thank you very much. And a little bit about Margaret, former market research executive town real estate entrepreneur, partner in over 100 millions in multifamily apartment communities and growing rapidly. She loves showing clients how to make their money work for them so they have the freedom to enjoy life while earning passive income. So with that, Margaret, you want to add anything? Um, you know, I guess the only thing I would add to that, Rama, is just um, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know now. Um, so I'd love going out there and educating people and just letting them know that there's a way that they can have their money working for them instead of spending their life working for money. Got it. Thank you very much. Share me like how you get into real estate multifamily and also share me a little bit more background about your company and name Nobly West, how it arrived. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. So first, I, I do want to say that, you know, like so many of us, I took the traditional route. You know, I went to school, I got a business degree, I started as a research analyst at Nielsen, the TV ratings company, which some of your listeners may know, and I worked my way up the corporate ladder to the corner office. Um, and I was doing great and I was making a lot of money, but I had little kids that I was never seeing and it was really, really difficult for me. So I sort of sidestepped into a more of a local part-time job um, so I could spend more time with my kids, but I was always interested in real estate. And about six years ago, a former colleague said she was investing in something called a real estate syndication and that I really should get involved and being the typical numbers nerd that I am, I'm like, well, let me look at it. I'm not really sure. And so I kind of watched from the sidelines for a couple of years. And then I saw some of the returns that she was getting. And I started thinking, I need to, I need to see what this is about. Because for me, I, I felt like I was very much the classic, you know, working to make money, which I was then using to pay bills. I had a 401k which was probably mostly in mutual funds, but I really wasn't actively working that. And so I started kind of realizing that there was another way to invest and invest passively. Got it. Share me about your passive investing experience. So uh, 2016 was when I did my first um, passive investment. It was a, I think it was a 296 unit complex in Dallas. Um, and I do want to say for what it's worth, you know, at that point, I had kids in high school, we were getting ready for college, it wasn't like I had $50,000 lying around to invest. But what I did do is um, I converted my 401k into a self directed IRA. And so I invested with my retirement account. So I figured, you know what, I'm not going to use this money for a while. Anyway, let me try it. So I put 50,000 in and it turned out to be great. I got regular cash flow. We refinanced after uh, about a year and a half. And I think all told that property, we held it for three years. And by the end, I had gained almost 50% of my initial investment, which I thought was actually, I think it was over 50%, which was an amazing return for just two and a half years. So I was sold after that. 
And um, and so I invested in several other properties with a lot of very well-known operators out there that your lot of your listeners probably knew. And then as I started doing this, you know, people started hearing it just like I had heard from my former colleague. People started coming to me, what are you doing? How can I get involved with this? So um, I formed a company called MGH Investments, which basically was the initials of my kids' names. Um, but I was doing that on my own. And then in November of last year, I actually took on a partner and she and I created Noblyvest together. And so that's uh, what we are actively doing. Uh, we're looking for co-GP opportunities to help um, manage assets and offer opportunities to our um, investors. Got it. So would you also share any of your best practices from passive investors point of view, whatever, you know, based on your experience? So, um, yes. So it's really, first of all, it's really interesting, right? Because we're watching the market carefully. Inflation is really changing things. COVID has really changed a lot of things. But overall, for me, I think going in, if you want to be a passive investor, first of all, you have to decide why are you going to be a passive investor? Are you looking for cash flow, for regular cash flow? Or are you okay with foregoing that for a while if you know you're going to get a great equity upside when the property exits? If you're lucky, sometimes you get both, but that doesn't always happen. So I guess I would say have your goals clearly defined before going in and then, you know, go to the webinars, read the PPM. I know sometimes these decks are like 100 pages and it can be a lot of information, but ask questions um, because not every deal is, is alike, you know, look at things like the debt service coverage ratio, you know, what's the IRR, what's the cash on cash return, that sort of thing. Um, equity multiple is a big thing for me. Um, just kind of figure out what metric is important to you. And even if you pick one or two, focus on those as you're evaluating deals. Great, great points. And now you're focusing on co-GP opportunities. So, so what is your criteria? How do you vet operators? So it's really interesting, Rama, because my criteria used to be, as so many people's was, you know, sort of your classic multifamily, at least 100 units. We would look for value add opportunities, usually something where we could do a cost segregation strategy. So uh, depreciation was important to us in the Sunbelt states, right? So landlord friendly, job diversification, and COVID has really lit a fire under that because if COVID did nothing else, it told people that they don't have to be tied to large cities anymore. And so we've seen a lot of growth in these tertiary and secondary markets. However, inflation and demand is really compressing those cap rates. So now we are starting to look at alternative asset classes like self-storage, and also short-term rentals. I'm actually really interested in those. So we're sort of exploring some of those, but both Christine and I have a market research background. So we really like to really dig into the numbers and make sure we have a comfort level with it before we present it to our investors. Right, and you, you have market research experience. So how exactly you are you utilizing that experience into multifamily investing or real estate investing? Absolutely. So um, I do want to give a shout out to my partner, Christine Shu. So um, as I mentioned, we both had market research um, backgrounds. I started as an analyst and then I was on the account side. Christine was a uh, research and development uh, food scientist, and she was very good with project management and um, analytical side as well. So we kind of have a nice um, mix together of uh, number skills. 
So we really like to look at the numbers. First, we try to see, does it align with what our goals are in terms of what we're looking for? We have certain metrics, you know, we try to get at least, you know, a 1.8 equity multiple or something like that. So we have our metrics. And then we also look at the deal itself. We look at the operator. Have we had experience working with them before? Um, if not, do we, um, are we comfortable working with them? And one of the things that we also do is we, um, we vet every operator that we work with, even if they have an amazing background and well-known in the industry, you know, we ask for background checks. You know, we, we like to make sure that, you know, there's, there's nothing, no surprises if we're going to be recommending that our investors partner and they're trusting us, by extension, we have to feel that we trust the partners that we have as well. So that's really important to us. And most people are completely fine with that and they do the same thing. Yeah. So apart from background, so what other factors you will look in the operator? What other characteristics? So of course, experience is huge. How many deals have gone full cycle? What kind of numbers did they get from those deals? I also like to ask them, you know, what's your disaster story? You know, what's the deal that just went sideways on you and how did you handle it? Because I think you can learn a lot from someone, everybody, you know, they say that if you didn't make money in this real estate market in the past couple of years, you were really doing something wrong, right? But I love to know what happened for that deal that just fell apart. You know, could you salvage it? You know, did, did something happen or ideally was your underwriting so conservative that even though something may have happened that you couldn't have anticipated, you still ended up working through it and making money for your investors because that's really what it comes down to, making sure that our investors are, um, you know, making money. Yeah, great points. So, and you mentioned you're working on CoGP opportunities. So, would you share experiences on your CoGP stuff? Sure. Yeah. So I just had one that went uh, full cycle in Dallas and uh, it was a really interesting project because uh, we bought it right about the fall of 2019. So this was right before about six months before the whole world literally shut down with COVID. And that is a perfect example of something nobody could have possibly included in their underwriting because nobody could have possibly anticipated a, a global pandemic. So we had that. Then we had an ice storm, which, uh, you know, some of the pipes burst. This was in Dallas, this property. Then there was a tornado and there was some roof damage. So it was sort of like, oh, my gosh, what else is going to happen to this poor property? But the upside of that story is because when we initially evaluated it, you know, with our partners, the underwriting was so conservative, we did end up still giving our investors a 40% return which is not bad during a global pandemic after two and a half years, certainly much better than you could have gotten in the stock market or mutual funds during that period. So it was kind of my best deal and my, and my, my craziest deal at the same time. Got it. So 40% return per year, right? 40% over the life of the project. I think IRR was about 16% roughly. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, so what is your current focus and how do you see like commercial real estate space uh, going forward, maybe next two, three years? So it's really interesting. Uh, by the way, we haven't discussed this, but I'm also a residential real estate agent. So I'm seeing the crunch on the residential um, real estate side firsthand with a lot of both first time buyers trying to get into the market, as well as a lot of empty nesters selling earlier than they thought, you know, that they would so that they could take advantage. 
And what's happening is prior to 2019 and when the pandemic happened, you know, the demand for multifamily housing was increasing. The inventory was still limited. And there were projections that, you know, I think it was like by 2025 or something, we were going to be short of housing. Then the pandemic hit. And so the reason I mentioned the residential real estate market is because what's happening is you have buyers who are getting priced out of buying a home because some of these homes are going $100,000 over asking for a $400,000 home. Crazy stuff. So they're getting priced out and discouraged. So they're deciding to rent. Then you have the empty nesters who maybe were going to sell in a few years, but now, gosh, I might as well go. The market's hot. They're selling and now they're renting. So these extra groups are just already a tight inventory on the multifamily space. Well, now they're making it even tighter. However, because of all that demand, the cap rates, as I mentioned earlier, are compressing. And so we're still looking. I still really like multifamily a lot. It's just I think the deals are getting harder to find than they were a few years ago. And so because of that, we're looking at things like self-storage which by the way, self-storage did amazing during the pandemic. It was very steady. It had double-digit returns. Um, I think part of that is because people were either downsizing but didn't want to get rid of their stuff, or because they were stuck at home, they were you know, decluttering, just wanted the stuff out of the house but couldn't bear to get rid of it, so self-storage. So I like that. And then the other one is short-term rentals. Because now we are coming off of two years of everybody stuck inside, especially people in cities. And certainly virtual remote working is still very much a thing. So you know what? If I can go and rent an Airbnb for a couple of weeks in Montana and work from there, you know, why not? And so there are entire portfolios of uh, these short-term rentals that are kind of designed as these Airbnb super hosts. But it's not like, um, and no disrespect to Airbnbs, because I've stayed in really nice ones and some that I can't even believe they call themselves an Airbnb. But these ones, the portfolios, they come in, they create a portfolio, they put money into these properties. So they look like really nice upscale, almost hotel type properties. But if you've got a family of six or even eight, you don't have to spend a fortune on a bunch of individual hotel rooms. Now you can have a whole house. So I really kind of like that. And, and we're looking at a bunch of opportunities in all three of those asset classes right now. Great, great. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Uh, any one advice that have impact on you? There's, a, there's one of the things I do want to say while I'm thinking about one person in general is that I have found for the most part, this is a really generous space. So I think it's because there's really so many opportunities there are so many people who have been doing this for several years who are very generous with their time, with their advice. Um, and so I think the best advice that I got is just be focused, you know, focus on, you know, know your asset class, know the market you want to be, know those parameters. And no matter how tempting it gets, if some other deal goes outside for something else, just stay in your lane, focus on what you're looking at. And then the deals will come to you. And so that's what we're doing. And even though we're varying slightly out of our lane with STRs and self-storages, we're doing it in an educated manner so that we're getting educated about those asset classes. And then we're creating parameters for those. So we're sort of creating new lanes as well. Cool. And any books that impacted your life and what way? Yes. So of course, everybody loves Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I do as well. But the book that I really, really loved was um, Think and Grow Rich. 
And the thing that I thought by Napoleon Hill, and the thing that uh, I really liked about this book is, you know, I think this book was written in like 1912 or some kind of crazy time. I'm not sure exactly when it was. And I got the original copy. So some of the text was a bit um, antiquated, but I am a, I'm a big believer in the power of mindset and setting goals and really focusing on those goals and having faith that you will hit those goals. And Think and Grow Rich is all about that. And it's peppered with some really interesting stories about, you know, Edison and Ford and some of the real founding fathers of industry in this country that used this strategy. And it's just fascinating read. And and I just 100% um, believe it and have seen it in my own life. Yep. Powerful. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Yes. So any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Yes. So another book that I really love uh, is called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And I, I wouldn't say that I was ever somebody who was a late sleeper, but I wasn't somebody who was like a super, super early riser. Um, but I love the idea of getting up early and taking that time to center yourself for the day. And so that could be spending some time in silence, whether it's prayer or meditation, writing your affirmations, visualizing them, happening them. Um, exercising. I always do my best exercising in the the gym in the mornings versus the evenings Um, and then do some reading and then writing in a gratitude journal. And, you know, when I first started doing all of these things, it could take a whole hour and I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, I just killed an hour doing this. You can do it as, as little as five minutes, even if you do one minute of every one of those things. But I have found that if you start your morning off with purpose And with intention, it really just sets the tone for the day. So I would say that would be um, what I really like to do is just get up in the morning, spend some time, you know, meditating, working on my goals, and then hitting the day running. Awesome. And how about giving back to community, Margaret? So um, I've done a variety of volunteering over the years, but um, an organization that is really near and dear to my heart is the Midnight Run Organization. And I got involved with this through my church. Um, It's run by a former homeless person in New York City who basically really wanted to, you know, help the homeless population. And so, you know, on any given night, there are various groups that can sign up and volunteer. And we go down to the city and we provide food and clothing um, and just, you know, warmth to the homeless of New York. And we do it overnight or we do something that's called a midnight breakfast. And I like the breakfast better because, um, you know, it's not just running around the city distributing supplies. It's one location. People come to you and you can have a conversation because so many of the homeless, you know, we could be one medical emergency away from being homeless. Like you just don't know. A series of events could happen and any of that could be us. But somehow when you are homeless, you just become invisible. And I always remember the story of this guy, the the founder telling a story how he realized it had been two years before he'd had, since he'd had a conversation with anybody, since anybody had even said his name. And I just personally wouldn't want anybody to ever walk through this world feeling like they're not being seen or that they don't have value. I think we all have value in some way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And how can listeners can connect with you, Margaret? So uh, you can go to our website, which is noblyvest.com, which is N-O-B like boy, L-I-V-E-S-T. 
Um, I am also on LinkedIn. We have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. And, um, and again, Nobly Vest, just so you know, stands for Noble Investing. Because we really feel, my partner Christine and I, that you can invest in a noble way and it could be for a noble cause. Something as big as freeing your time so you can be philanthropic or volunteer for your community or on a smaller, more personal note so that your kids can go to college or you can spend more time at home with your children while they're young. So there's lots of ways to invest but you can do it for noble causes so that everybody wins. The investors, you, as well as the tenants themselves. Got it. And thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Margaret. Thank you. And really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, vishakapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Thank you.